the trend is really that we see you know, a lot of industry-specific services, and I think this is also quite an interesting trend um, for banking and financial markets, as I said before. Yeah, and um, and this is really um, really a good development uh, in terms of what is the hottest trend. I would say. Quantum. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Head Start with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics? They talk, we listen. Can you imagine getting into a business or a market where you actually spend $100 billion plus on a piece of paper? Are you kidding me? It was like a frying pan of the head. I got nothing against CFOs. It was not just the job of a lifetime, it was the job of a thousand lifetimes. My guest today is a seasoned banking and financial markets leader. He's a C-suite whose wealth of knowledge spans various domains, including blockchain, bank APIs, digital assets, enterprise architecture, cloud computing, and identity and access management. His particular focus on blockchain within the cloud will be the central topic of our discussion. An interesting conversation ahead, but before we get into that, here's a brief message. This episode is sponsored by Axia. Axia is the leading private cloud platform in the Alessian and Matamos ecosystem, combining intelligent solutions with security and control. Axia's clients profit from digitalization and automation of critical business processes in a cloud and hybrid architecture. 150 staff provide migration, engineering, and support services to over 200 leading organizations in 32 countries. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Wolfgang Berger is the Partner and Chief Technology Officer, Banking and Financial Markets for IBM. With 25 years experience in the management consulting world, he principally worked on transformation and modernization programs for large financial institutions. Prior to IBM, Wolfgang was the CTO, Banking and Capital Markets Managing Director at DXC Technology, a global organization that helps companies run their mission-critical systems and operations while modernizing IT, optimizing data architecture, and ensuring security and scalability across public, private, and hybrid clouds. A passion for new and emerging technologies, he has a focus on ecosystems, tokenization, CBDCs, digital assets, and, as mentioned earlier, blockchain. Let's begin. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Wolfgang to Headstalk. Delighted to have you here today. Hello, Elaine. A pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting. Excellent. Okay, let's kickstart this conversation with a a summary of your current role, your current remit at IBM and top priorities. Um, Yes, so um, uh, maybe maybe just briefly, because uh, you did the introduction already. Um, In IBM, my primary roles are partner and CTO for banking and financial markets in the DACH region. Um, My primary focus is on the larger clients, uh, larger banks and financial markets, uh, market players. Mm -hmm. Um, Top priorities uh, at the moment, it's very much on the modernization of the application landscapes. uh, So uh, handling questions like future domain architecture, how to transform into a future domain architecture. Mm-hmm. What is the role of SaaS solutions? Uh, how can you utilize standard solutions in the market? What is the role of cloud? What is the role of mainframes in the future? Mm-hmm. 
And as you said, of course, the uh, innovative uh, topics like CBDCs, in particular retail and, and wholesale CBDCs. And here, since we are in Europe, uh, also the digital Europe plays one of the one of the bigger roles uh, in my current uh, daily uh, work. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, AI is a big topic. Uh, now the question is uh, how uh, and what is the future role of AI in banking and financial markets? Mm. Where is it most suitably uh, used? Uh, what are the use cases where you get the biggest benefits out of it? Mm-hmm. And then uh, quantum computing is coming up as an additional topic. Mm-hmm. Um, it may take some time until quantum is really uh, available in in a broader sense, but uh, since it has quite a significant impact on security, yeah. uh, we we started looking into that already, uh, and and also our clients need to look into it. Uh, not only for accelerating AI implementations, but also for looking into uh, possible possible impacts on the security infrastructure. Mm. And, and rightly so. Um, I, I'm actually glad I asked you that question because even though I gave an introduction at the beginning, you've pretty much expanded on it uh, with the information that I didn't have. So I, I feel vindicated by asking that question. Um, I, I want to dive straight into the core of this episode. It's a subject area of great interest to you. And I'd like for you to, to share with my listeners your insights in this field. I mentioned it in the introduction, that is blockchain in the cloud. Firstly, let's look at the strategic alignment, particularly with the banking and financial sector. Uh, today, what specific business objectives or challenges are driving the exploration of blockchain? Yeah, so um, maybe maybe let me start with um, blockchain itself as a technology is primarily, uh, from my point of view, a very good technology choice for ecosystem-related setups and use cases, mm. which means multiple parties are involved, like different internal external organizations are connected via a single uh, digital digital platform or a uh, distributed ledger, uh, which which is really the basis of the blockchain implementations. Ecosystems, they can be within a single jurisdiction, they can be uh, across multiple jurisdictions, and but uh, the the essential part is really that we have a multi-party and an ecosystem set up. And then you can really benefit from all the crypto mechanisms or cryptology elements which are in the blockchain implementations and non-repudiation and other elements like resiliency, et cetera, mm-hmm. uh, which, which then really makes, makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, another opportunity or possibility in particular for banks and financial market players is um, to, to really participate and drive such ecosystem setups. So we have quite a number of examples of banks uh, driving ecosystems in agriculture and others uh, other areas to really uh, open up additional sales channels for financial products. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, one of the biggest challenges, and this is also because it's a multi, multi-company multi or multi-organizations play, is how to organize the target operating model, the governance, who is in the driver's seat, um, how do you orchestrate an ecosystem, how do, uh, how do you attract uh, new players to participate in the ecosystem, etc. And that creates quite a lot of challenges and discussions, and it doesn't matter if this is really a 
more or less manual process where you're organizing and, and governing the system, or if it's really uh, by implementation, for instance, by utilizing um, smart contract capabilities. Um, but this is really an important element to decide who is going to drive the ecosystem forward, who's deciding on services, who's deciding on the revenue splits, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. If we if we then get into a bit more specific things uh, or objectives, um, then I think the the most prominent ones are um, taking out reconcile efforts, uh, which plays quite a significant role in banking and financial markets. Um, it's about taking out intermediaries. Um, not in all processes you need intermediaries uh, at the same positioning in the process when you, when you have a DOT or a blockchain-based implementation. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean to take out the regulation. It means just to take out the intermediaries in the process, so to increase mm -hmm. the speed of transactions. Uh, like in settlement, uh, you can optimize uh, intensive processes around documents, uh, what we see in trade finance, for instance. Um, and and of course you're enhancing resiliency, transparency of transactions, and and you have uh, quite a lot of new business opportunities around uh, tokenization, uh, where we see digital assets uh, getting implemented, still very small compared to everything else what we have in banking and financial markets, um, but uh, quite a significant movement, quite a significant investment in startups. Uh, many people are working on this. We get regulation in place, uh, so it's it's definitely a topic uh, which which will get uh, more and more relevance in the next years. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so we we've looked at some of the the objectives and the challenges. Now, for what the listeners really um, like to hear on these topics and these episodes, and that is sort of real examples of what we're talking about. So, if you could provide um, use cases, examples within the banking financial markets. That you see um, as the most, you know, promising for blockchain implementation. Yeah, I think um, very prominent discussions are at the moment around tokenized money, um, where we see several forms of money in the market. So we have um, deposit tokens, we have um, uh, CBDCs in particular, so central bank digital currencies for wholesale for retail. Uh, where in particular many um, central banks uh, globally, uh, it's, it's the majority of the central banks looking into um, possibilities for an implementation. Um, mm -hmm. This is for uh, enhancing and building out next generation financial markets infrastructures, or at least enabling them. Um, it's also on the retail side. So in, in Europe, we have the discussions around the digital euro. Um, and yeah. to get a bit more sovereignty uh, in Europe around this topic and, and to really build out uh, European payments infrastructure. And uh, then if we look really into scenarios where um, payments is, is still uh, expensive at the moment, this is around cross-border. Mm -hmm. There we see a lot of possibilities for optimizations. Uh, many experimentations are on the way uh, many things get implemented, um, facilitated and uh, and organized by the BIS. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also see a lot around tokenized assets uh, as, as a future opportunity, as I said before. Um, but uh, in addition to that, we, we also see um, 
uh, still a lot of traction on trade finance on syndicated loans globally mm-hmm. uh, but i think the most prominent ones as i said in the beginning is, is really around cbdc's at the moment uh, which is also uh, very much in public in newspapers magazines etc yeah okay um this is um increasingly a concern especially with with the developments in this area i mean you mentioned very early on when you talked about quantum computing i'm talking about security and compliance so Mm -hmm. so, um how does the implementation of blockchain in the cloud address such concerns especially in the superly superly highly regulated financial industry and additionally if you could provide information on what measures are in place to ensure compliance with relevant financial regulations when using blockchain technology? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, first of all, we, we need to be a, a bit a bit, um, a bit more in the details around blockchain and, and cloud in, in the combination, because if you yeah. talk about blockchain itself, then we have very quite a lot of uh, built-in security and uh, security and, and resiliency features. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is basically at the heart of the blockchain technology. Um, so you get the blocks, you get them signed, um, yep. you get them connected, etc. Uh, which in itself, uh, in itself, ensures a, quite a high level of security and resilience as well. Mm-hmm. And and then of course you have the question: Where do I actually run the blockchain nodes? And uh, here, of course, you have the possibility to utilize cloud uh, infrastructures. Mm-hmm. Um, where you can then deploy your nodes, uh, get them up, and, uh, and deploy them even globally. And uh, I think now um, at the intersection, uh, more or less between blockchain and, and cloud, uh, you need to look into, is it a permission cloud or a public cloud setup? Mm-hmm. If it's a permission cloud setup, then of course you can uh, create, and then you need to use um, cloud as an additional security layer um, around the nodes. And, and then, of course, all the measures are coming into the picture, which are relevant for the financial uh, market and for banking and financial markets. And, and then you need to look into, in Europe in particular, in Germany, into C5, into the DORA, uh, mm-hmm. Operational Resilience Act, etc., which are then getting very much relevant. And... Um, and then, of course, uh, it depends a lot on actually the uh, cloud implementation, what what uh, which you are using. So, is it a cloud implementation where you have full transparency about the content of the transactions? Mm-hmm. Is it a, a more restricted cloud implementation? Uh, sorry, a blockchain implementation where you uh, where you are then encrypting really the transaction or payload, and you're not disclosing all the details. But you use it more in the sense of a ledger, and then you cross-link into other systems. So that depends really much on the on the exact setup and um, what what you are you intending to do. And this is then part of the architecture work to really look into what are the elements, uh, what you need to utilize from a from from cloud setups. In which clouds do you want to run it with? Which hyperscalers? Uh, what are then the mechanisms you want to combine? And what is actually already included in the blockchain uh, technology you're using, um, so you can then uh, basically have the security on on different layers uh, in the architecture. Right. So, so you, you you've talked about the the different type of sort of cloud setup, and and we know addressing blockchain in a hybrid cloud environment introduces unique considerations. So, 
So how, how do you go about integrating blockchain solutions with existing legacy systems within operations? And if you could explain, what integration issues do you foresee with other technologies? Yeah, so in a hybrid cloud setup, then you go uh, in essence for, for combinations, yeah. Um, so you can have multiple hyperscalers. If you take yeah. this uh, into, into the consideration as well, you can have on-prem and, and cloud infrastructures in the combination. So to really ensure the availability of the of the infrastructure and to be a bit uh, more independent, um, or at least to have several options to run your blockchain nodes, mm -hmm. and uh, and this is um, in essence building on what what I said before. Yeah, so you're using uh, really the infrastructure as an enabler for for the blockchain technology, and um, and then of course. Uh, you can you can utilize the blockchain implementations, but this is then more or less independent of the exact um, cloud infrastructure you're utilizing. Yeah, but you can establish further restrictions, uh, as as discussed before, on on permissioned yeah. uh, blockchains, mm. and that gives you much more flexibility uh, in in many directions. Mm. And additionally, what are some of the, the the challenges for data consistency and ensuring interoperability between on-premise and cloud-based blockchain nodes? Yeah, data consistency is, um, is, is ensured by the blockchain technology itself. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, we have uh, the consensus mechanisms in uh, all the DLT implementations or more or less in all the DLT implementations. Um, they are implemented in different ways, of course. Um, but they ensure that uh, there is really a single uh, distributed and consistent ledger. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there are quite a lot of mechanisms. You know it uh, probably from the from the Bitcoin implementations. Mm -hmm. uh, we we know it from Ethereum and others. So more or less, um, that's handled on the on the blockchain level. Mm -hmm. um, so from a cloud perspective, there is not really much to add. Yeah. Um, because then cloud is uh, basically ensuring the infrastructure level when it comes to the integration of other systems which are keeping data which is not on the blockchain but which you need for consistency topics then you're on the integration topic into the into the landscape uh, which are which you have up and running and then uh, it's of course a different discussion because then you come into data you come into process topics mm -hmm into API topics and and then also the combination needs to be um, consistent there. So um, do, do you want to talk about some of the some of the standards or the protocols that are followed to you know to facilitate seamless communications across hybrid infrastructure? Um, for the for the integration between different blockchain implementations and and here usually the term interoperability is used there are quite a, quite a lot of uh, uh, options in the market already yeah. um, so there are dedicated fintechs uh, and startups uh, running such implementations and integrating the different platforms uh, we see it also on a protocol level um a bridging between the different uh, technologies uh and and then when it comes really to the integration and you go more on to the um, application level then you need to discuss how is the integration between the processes working so in particular when you have a legacy infrastructure mm -hmm. or a legacy application landscape 
Mm -hmm. Then you need to see what is the impact on your current processes uh, when you're talking to a blockchain implementation, because then usually processes are running a bit differently. They are uh, they have a higher automation. They have near real-time uh, capabilities. Mm -hmm. They have uh, atomic transactions. Um, you cannot really unwind a transaction. Uh, so everything is happening instantaneously. Uh, then you have different fee models. <clears throat> you have a representation of assets with tokens. So <clears throat> there are quite a, quite a number of different <clears throat> elements you need to then address on on an application level here. Yeah. All right. Okay. I think let, let's let's move on from um, blockchain. I think we covered enough of that um, topic within the sort of 40 minute conversation that we're having um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this series is about um, next generation cloud and I want to to include this um, question mm -hmm. to all the guests in the series so I'm interested to to hear what you've got to say so so Wolfgang um, what does next generation cloud mean to you your organization and your clients because I'm sure it has sort of different meanings for all three so if you could just take us through that yeah, I think next generation cloud for me has quite a number of flavors. Um, one is, of course, uh, the improvements we see per hyperscaler. So um, here, of course, the hyperscalers are looking for workload. Um, and, and here is quite a higher competition in the market. And, and one of the key elements for workloads are definitely the ecosystem. So... If hyperscalers have an opportunity uh, to get a significant portion of, of ecosystem plays in the market, then it's for them, of course, uh, quite a lot of workload in the long run because an ecosystem uh, could benefit from network effects and that would, uh, in essence, increase uh, the workload generated by these ecosystems quite significantly if it's, if it's really an ecosystem which is working very well. Mm -hmm. Then the other topic is, um, well, if you dive a bit deeper on the ecosystem side, then you can either have a ecosystem uh, initiated by a bank um, as an orchestrator and then attracting mm -hmm. uh, different players from different markets. Uh, you can also look into the ecosystems as um, providers of solutions for financial markets, so like the fintechs, where we also see quite a lot of traction where... Mm -hmm. The big hyperscalers are trying to to get them on their platforms, uh, so to really have a good combination of services for banking and financial markets, and um, and this is of course accelerating um, because we see more and more ecosystems in the market uh, itself. Then, um, if you look now, how are hyperscalers communicating, interacting? What are the possibilities, and how do you integrate them from a banking and financial markets perspective? Um, because you need to be a bit more flexible. You would like to have possibly the flexibility here as well, um, uh, that that not all your workload is on a single hyperscaler, um, but maybe distributed also to benefit from hyperscaler-specific technologies. Then you're, of course, looking into integration topics. So is security, is compliance ensured in all the implementations? Um, how can you integrate monitoring? Um, how can you integrate uh, measurements, uh, financial controls, etc. So there are quite a number of topics uh, which are then coming into the picture and which are very, very relevant. 
-hmm. And then, of course, uh, if you get into the more advanced areas of, of AI, um, a lot is happening here. And I think one of the biggest elements in the future will then be also around quantum computing. Mm -hmm. uh, if this is then really happening, that you have quantum computers available in the cloud, um, then, of course, the race is on because um, then everybody has access to, to quantum computing. And this is then uh, also available to those who, are, who do not really have uh, so good intentions. And um, and then we will see what uh, what is then really the situation. But this is something we need to get prepared for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you give me a description of what it means to you and the organization or people in that space. But you don't really talk about the clients. Yeah. For clients, um, if we if we look in, so we need to differentiate maybe a bit by geos. Um, so geos and countries are a bit different in their appetite moving workload into the cloud. Um, it, it also depends very much on the current existing landscape on modernization initiatives, um, because usually you need to modernize um, at least to some extent to really get cloud ready mm -hmm. uh, and to migrate into the cloud. Um, it is definitely, and it will uh, increase um, um, a must-have for clients. Uh, you need to migrate into cloud, uh, some workload at least. Uh, you need to decide what's the workload you would like to, to keep on-prem mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Here you have uh, different reasons, uh, different strategies uh, from, from different clients. Um, and... Uh, you get you get a lot of flexibility and you get a lot of security as well. Yeah, so many of the features which are very expensive to build in on-prem infrastructures, and cyber risk is is getting more and more relevant. Um, is is a capability cloud providers are uh, bringing as 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 a possible service as an implementation which you can utilize. Mm -hmm. You get distribution, so you have uh, numerous advantages. Uh, you have a lot of flexibility, um, and and this is something uh, clients are looking into already for years, and uh, they they also keep migrating workload into the cloud and and learning, making experiences, and of course, benefiting from the future improvements. So I think it's um, it's it's not it's not an if uh, question. It's it's only the question how fast and and what is the amount of workload which uh, gets migrated into the cloud. Yeah. Okay. Um. Let's end this episode of Ed's talk on this. So, in addition to AI, generative AI, and climate change, you know, very big topics at the moment. We can't deny that. And we know the UN's COP twenty eight is underway in Dubai as we speak. Um. What are the trends? do you perceive as the most significant in cloud computing? Um, I think the, the, trend, the trend is really that we see constant improvements and, and significant improvements. So there's quite, quite a drumbeat of, of innovations. Uh, we see a lot happening here. Um, it gets more and more efficient. Uh, we see local data centers uh, in in several countries, so it gets more and more sophisticated. And and the topics uh, which I mentioned before, 
are are getting um, addressed. We also see a lot of industry-specific services, and I think this is also quite an interesting trend um, for banking and financial markets, as I said before. Yeah, and um, and this is really um, really a good development uh, in terms of what is the hottest trend. I would say quantum AI. Mm-hmm. These are going to be the hottest topics in the next years. Um, quantum, as I said, uh, in the next years, AI already there. Uh, we see a lot of a lot of improvements here. Uh, many options, and um, uh, and this is this is really helping a lot in in optimizing the infrastructures and reducing the footprints, uh, at least the local footprints. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Okay. Um. One of the questions I want to ask you: You keep talking about quantum. Quantum's all the way through your conversation. You keep talking about that. You work in the consulting business, the management consulting business. In terms of advisory service, where would that sit? Would that sit in cloud advisory? Would that? Where would that sit in in terms of a service line? Um. In terms of a service line. I think there are um, there are basically two areas where it really applies to. One is, of course, the AI area, mm-hmm. uh, because quantum helps you a lot to build out uh, much more sophisticated deep learning models. Mm-hmm. So you can make uh, you can build up more complex models. You can have more parameters, uh, and you can do uh, much better simulations. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the other side, it really sits in the security area as well, yes. uh, because the impact of quantum um, capabilities and in particular the uh, compute power mm-hmm. is, of course, that you can break uh, security algorithms, crypto algorithms yeah. Yeah. Um, very easily compared to today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there are quite a number of calculations in the market already and or um, basically expectations and and this is um and this is then playing a significant role because we have quite a lot of um, security elements in a very basic infrastructure and from that point of view you really need to get up the entire uh the entire architecture so we need to start in hardware and then you need to get up into the application layer and also mm-hmm. for blockchain implementations, it plays quite a significant role because the crypto algorithms used there uh, will also be impacted. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. That's, uh, I think that's more sort of on the consulting side, but in, in the industry side, when you look at sort of the rise of um, chief um, AI officers and mm-hmm. you have the chief security officers, who who would be managing that? Who where would all of this sit? Um, for the AI topics, uh, there will be really a split across the banking domains. Uh, I would expect, yeah, that each and every banking domain, so like credit and loans, like securities processing, etc., they would look into AI sense. and the possible applicability. All right, so it would um, be like a layer <clears throat> across the whole. Um... Yes. Sort of, a, sort of a horizontal uh, across all the different lines or different verticals. Okay. Yeah, if it's if it's really a layer, then uh, it's a typical center of competence type of setup in the very beginning yeah. until everybody has uh, went through a significant portion of the learning curve yeah. and the yeah. experiences, etc. 
Um, so infrastructure usage, what are basically the players in the market, uh, who is the best models, etc. But then when it gets into really business, into real business cases, then of course you need to look into the um, banking domain, and then uh, domain knowledge comes into the picture as well. Um, if you look into the security side, then it's mostly CTO, CIO type of organizations. Mm -hmm. CISO organizations uh, who need to look into the impact of quantum. Mm, okay. And why I'm saying it is because um, if you're expecting five to 10 years uh, as a roadmap when mm -hmm. quantum is ready for use, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, then of course you need to start and you mm. need to look, you mm. need to get your analysis done, you need to plan for the budgets. And um, it yeah, sounds like yeah. a lot of time. Um, but yeah. you also need time to to really understand what the impact is, and you need to learn a lot and and see what what are possible solutions then. Okay, um, Wolfgang Berger, a very informative conversation today on Headstore. Many thanks for your time and insights. Thank you, Elaine, for having me, and uh, wish you a good day. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinational. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.